This is episode number 49 with the CEO and co-founder of GreenPal, Brian Clayton. Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Before we drop into the episode, a quick message from our sponsor, 919 Marketing. I've worked with 919 Marketing for years and there's no one I trust more with my marketing needs in any of our businesses. I've worked with them in our franchise businesses, in my consulting business. I've worked with them on the franchisor side and I love working with 919 because they take the time to listen. They take the time to understand what it is I'm looking to accomplish through my marketing, who I'm trying to reach, and then they help me put a plan together to do just that. I've worked with tons of marketing companies over the years, and too often, it's a one-size-fits-all approach, but not with 919 Marketing. In addition to that, they've developed some amazing technology called 919 Insights, franchising's first and only AI-powered analytics platform. With 919 Insights in place, 919 Marketing can identify the exact topics that matter to your franchise candidates and provide the specific roadmap to help your brand become the highest ranking and most trusted resource when they're searching for answers. So if you're ready to start getting better results from your marketing, and if you want a free demo of 919 Insights, reach out to Graham Chapman at 919-459-8157 or send them an email at gchapman at 919marketing.com to schedule your free demo today. So whether you're a franchisor, a franchisee, or just getting started in your first franchise business, make sure to check out 919 Marketing and tell them West Barefoot sent you. Now, let's drop into the episode. Got a fantastic episode teed up for you all today. My guest, Brian Clayton, is the CEO and co-founder of GreenPal, which is an online marketplace that connects homeowners with local lawn care professionals. GreenPal's been called the Uber for Lawn Care by Entrepreneur Magazine and has well over 150,000 active users and completes thousands of transactions per day. Prior to starting GreenPal, Brian founded Peachtree Inc., which is one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee. He grew it to over $10 million a year in annual revenue before it was acquired in 2013. So in this episode, Brian shares everything that he learned along the way to scaling a business that for so many people is a very difficult business to scale, a landscaping company, and how he was able to do that to the point where it was attractive enough to be acquired. Uh, And he had a very nice exit on that business. So tons of great advice, tons of insights and learnings that Brian shares from that experience. And then he talks about what he's learned since diving into a technology-based business in GreenPal, which I think is a fascinating concept. So this is a very interesting episode. Brian's a great guy. He's a huge fan of entrepreneurialism in general, small business growth, marketing, bootstrapping businesses. I mean, this guy He's done it. He's walked the talk. He also spends a lot of his time, you know, helping and coaching other entrepreneurs. So there's so much value and so much wisdom shared in this episode. Make sure you don't miss a second of it. And with that, let's go ahead and drop in with Brian Clayton. Hey, for those 
listening that may not be familiar with you and, and kind of what you're working on, give us a, a quick uh, introduction on, you know, who Brian Clayton is. Yeah, so right now I am the CEO co-founder of a company called GreenPal. And so GreenPal is like the Uber for lawn mowing. So if you're a homeowner, need to get your grass cut, rather than calling around on Craigslist or Yelp or Facebook, you can just download our app and get hooked up with a good lawn mowing service in less than a minute. Uh, Before that, I actually actually had a landscaping company before that. I I spent 15 years as a landscaping contractor. I started cutting grass in high school as a way to make extra cash. Luckily, my dad forced me to go mow my first yard, and uh, I was hooked after that. And uh, and I just mowed yards all through high school, all through college. Over a 15-year period of time, I I little by little built that to one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee where I live. Uh, Got it over 150 employees, over $10 million in revenue and in 2013 was able to navigate the the exit of that business it was acquired by one of the largest landscaping organizations in the united states so growing that from just me and a push mower to me and 150 people i learned a lot through just through the school of hard knocks on how to get a business going well no doubt i mean that's a business that a lot of people are in right but it usually doesn't get bigger than you know maybe the, the owner of the business and a handful of, uh, you know, employees or helpers. So, you know, definitely want to, you know, hear a little more of how you were able to grow it into a $10 million plus business, 150 employees. But, you know, so it sounds like this kind of just started as a, a part-time, you know, gig for you in high school, way to make some extra money. Uh, did it sounds like maybe kind of part-time during college? I mean, at what point did you kind of come to the realization, hey, I can, I can make this my business. I can, you know, earn a living and and do this full time. Yeah. So the lawn mowing business is like the best part-time gig in the world. It's the best small business you can start, low barriers to entry, great way to learn just the principles and and philosophies of how to run a business. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's just an awesome way to cut your teeth on business ownership. And to your point, most most, uh, people in the lawn mowing industry kind of stay there, you know, kind of that solopreneur or maybe one or two helpers. And that's fine. Like it's, it's a great way to make a, a good uh, income if you work hard. Yeah. For me, you know, it was like a practical decision. I was mowing grass all through high school, all through college. And then I, like, I went to school at night, so I was mowing grass all day. And then when I graduated college from business school, I had to make a decision. I was like, okay, was I going to go into the job market and take a pay cut yeah. or just put this lawn mowing <laughs> business? Cause I was doing pretty good. And uh, I didn't really want to be a lawn guy my whole life. That certainly wasn't like what I, you know, went to business school for, but I thought, Hey, let's just see how far I can take this. And I, I kind of admittedly had a little chip on my shoulder. I wanted to like make something of myself. And I kind of saw a lane that if I really like worked hard in this one industry, I could, I could like improve my station in life. Yeah, sure. And, yeah, little by little, just grew the business, you know, learned a lot from my mistakes, you know, trying to balance working in the business and working on the business. Mm-hmm. And uh, looking back, you know, like 15 years in that industry, in that business, eight years in the one I'm on right now, like, like business, I can like look at like a video game almost so like 10 levels of the video game and just okay. try to get through one level at a time is what's made sense for me. Like level one might just be get your first dozen customers, thousand dollars a month in revenue. And you don't have to worry about Bowser, like just get through level one. And like, so for me, like, like that's, what's kind of made sense looking back on 20 years of entrepreneurship is like just trying to get through one level at a time and focusing on the problems that, and challenges you're dealing with on that one level, then get to the next level. Yeah. So, so with that though, I'm curious, you know, when you kind of decided, all right, I'm, I'm going to, you know, go, go all in on this business. Like you said, you, you were doing pretty well when you got done with college, you didn't want to go out into the job market and probably start out making less than you already were in your lawn care business. At what point did you kind of realize though, Hey, I can really grow this into, you know, a serious business. I mean, what, what turned out to be an eight figure business. So I guess at what point did you come to that realization and, and then how did you go about building that? Because, you know, the way you said it, balancing working in your business and own your business. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing that pretty much any entrepreneur struggles with is removing themselves as the bottleneck so that the business can grow, you know, beyond a certain point that they've taken it to. Yeah. You know, luckily I was in a community that was growing. Uh, mm-hmm. I was, I grew up in middle Tennessee mm-hmm. outside of Nashville, Tennessee. And like this, this region has been growing for, for you know, the last 30 years. And yeah. so there was all this new stuff happening around me. It was like vibrant. And I saw 
other small business owners, whether it be in construction or home building or landscaping or any other kind of construction trade, like they were doing well, they had, they had good businesses. I was like, I want to be like that, yeah. but I want to do it better. Mm-hmm. And so I really kind of studied my competition and, and tried to figure out, okay, I see they're doing this, but, but I can do that a little better by, by just, just working a little harder. And that was really kind of what got me through level one, two, and three of the game was, mm-hmm. was just out hustling my competitors, out serving my, my competitors, uh, and, and, and treating my customers better than they were and and that got me through like maybe the first like 500k in revenue okay. uh going going towards a million in revenue and and during that period of the game i was able to learn about okay well this is how i'm i'm going to hire people and this is i'm going how i'm going to delegate some of these things although mm-hmm. i was still uh wearing many hats and i'm sure yeah. anybody listening to this in, in business can can identify with that yep. and uh so it was just like it was just little by little trying to you know, keep all of the plates spinning and, and, and little by little hand one of those plates off to somebody mm-hmm. else that, that could, that could focus on it. And uh, look, you know, I wish I had the book, the E-Myth like in, in 2002 <laughs> and that really would have saved me like two or three years or maybe five years. And, you know, I read that book probably, you know, five, six, six years ago. That's a really good book that kind of, there you go. It yeah. kind of codifies kind of what I'm like, terribly explaining in terms of laying out an org chart and, and, you know, you might think, well, what the hell I need an org chart for? But, but the reality is there's like, there's a, there's a CEO that's you. And then there's like head of customer service, head of marketing, head of R and D, head of operation, yeah. head of HR, head of legal. And it's your name on every single one of these roles. <laughs> right. And then as, as time goes on, you try to like maybe peel your name off a couple of them, yep. you know, one year at a time. And, you know, looking back how I, built that first business from scratch to 10 million in revenue. And now, now my second business, you know, getting it going from, from zero, that's made sense to me. It's like you work in the business, you grind on these things, you do to them to the best of your ability. And then as time goes on, as you grow revenues, you look for ways to delegate them to people who are better at it than you are. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the, the you mentioned the e-myth. I think it's, you know, should be required reading for any entrepreneur. I, I work with people that are interested in getting into business for themselves. I specialize in franchising. So I help people, you know, find a franchise business that's going to be a good fit for them, help them accomplish what they want to do. Uh, I send a copy of the E-Myth with a handwritten note to everyone I work with that goes on to buy a franchise because like I said, I think it's just absolutely necessary. And these are the things that just about every small business owner struggles with, right? So totally agree. What are some of the things that you really learned, you know, in the process of scaling this business as it pertains to, you know, finding good people, good, reliable people and keeping them? Because that's one thing I've noticed that terrifies most people when it comes to getting into business for themselves. And, you know, especially in a business like lawn care landscaping, I would imagine, a lot of companies out there struggle with turnover, you know, having people that are not reliable, they don't show up when they're supposed to. Uh, it's a seasonal business, right? So were you able to, you know, manage to build teams and keep them year over year without, you know, just constantly dealing with turnover? Curious, you know, what your experience has been with that? Yeah, so a lot of these questions, you know, I can answer them like if I was sitting like in my shoes back then uh, or it even better looking backwards and like, Oh man, I wish I had done it that way. Sure. And so, and so like at a practical level, there is so much opportunity to leverage technology to make a lot of these problems smoother. Mm. So you mentioned, uh, you mentioned like, like, like turnover and training. If, if you as the business owner, let's say you have like five employees and like you're, you're turning them over uh, all the time you might try to first look at like, okay, well, why are my people leaving? And, and, and it could be, okay, maybe they're, they're getting a job, getting paid more somewhere else and you can't mm-hmm. afford to pay them that. And you know, that's, that's okay. And, and, but, but maybe you might look at, okay, well, how do I, how do I strengthen the culture around yep. what it is we're doing in terms of making this more like a family environment? Mm-hmm. Like how do I really like focus on what my employees want and help them get what they want? And, and how do I, how do I really try to lay out a roadmap to where they can grow with me in this business? It's like, yes. uh, it like, and it's, and it's, and it's good for you as the business owner. Cause, cause you're trying to like be ambitious and expand and, and grow this thing to be big, but also you're trying to create opportunities for your people. So like, that's like at a macro level, uh, how you can really try to treat the issue of turnover. But then at a, at a, at a practical level these days, like there's all kinds of ways that you can create uh, training systems to get somebody up to speed in, in 24 hours rather than a month. Yeah. And that could be, that could be like 
videos. It could be like online courses that, that mm -hmm. you've created. It could be uh, like in the field, like uh, training on how this stuff works and how, and how they should do it the way that your business does it and why that's important. And like, whereas this stuff didn't really exist, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, now it does. Yep. And so that's, that's one example of like working on your business rather than in it. If you'd come in like uh, into to your office on a Saturday or Sunday and really just de dedicate 20 or 40 hours to building like a rock star training system uh that 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 new that new recruits can use that way they can get up to speed in, in a couple of days rather than a couple of months that can help you like treat the the cause of the turnover while you're treating the the the, the other piece of it the root cause and so like attacking it from both sides yeah um is is how i would approach that now you know i we didn't have a lot of these things 10 15 years ago and and, and you know i didn't know to do it that way i didn't sure. have the e-myth and, and so yeah. that's how i would approach it now yeah, no, it's, it's great advice. And, uh, you know, it, it, I think it's a good example, you know, what you talk about building these systems for training where, you know, it's going to be a big investment of your time up front to get these things in place. But I mean, how much time will that save you down the road? Not to mention how much money will it like, likely save you not having the turnover. And also, you just don't have all the headache that comes with that, right? So, I mean, I think that's good advice. Totally agree, you know, with everything you said around, you know, building a culture, taking good care of your people and, and showing them a pathway to grow with you. I mean, in our businesses, we've had success getting great people on board because, you know, we lay out the vision. Hey, this is going to get a lot bigger than what it is today, right? right? So we're looking for good people that are hungry and that want to grow with us. And so when you get people that buy into that, you know, you're getting people that are motivated and they're, they're looking for an opportunity to grow. And, you know, in my opinion, that's, that's what you want. And really any business, I don't care what the roles are that, that you're hiring for. And, and the other thing is like, you want to manage the process. Mm -hmm. You don't want to micromanage the person. On the one hand, you want really good, ambitious, hardworking people, but you also want to like work hard on the process and the system that you put them in. And then you manage the process to get the results. You don't micromanage and like get a whip out on the person. And so you got to like invest the time to, to, to create that. And, and, you know, a lot of people say, well, so how do I get to eight figures or seven figures? Like, and then like the answer is systems. Well, what the hell does that mean? Right. And it's, so it's like, yeah. <laughs> systems. You just said one word. Like, well, what does that mean? Well, it's like, let's really like just, just take it one step at a time and let's just look at one part of the business that could be better. And let's build a system for that one part of the business. So here we are, you and I are talking about just a employee training system. That's yeah. one little thing that you can work on this week to, to fix that one little thing in your business. And if you do that over and over and over again, it compounds and, yeah. and, and yep. over a five or 10 year period of time, that's how you get to seven and eight figures. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, you know, systems. Okay. What, is, what does that mean? And it's not going to happen overnight, right? It's a building process, but yeah, you made me laugh when you said that. Cause you know, dealing with franchises, any franchise company you talk to, they're going to be like, so, uh, you know, what's, what's great about your brand. They're like, well, we've got systems and processes. Like you're not going to, you're not going to find a franchise company that's not talking about their systems and processes. Which, true. But what does that true, mean? But yeah, you gotta, you gotta, okay. What does that mean? Like I've talked to 12 other franchises with systems and processes. Yeah. Tell me, give me a little more. Um, no, but that's a, that's a good point for sure. Um, and, and I love what you said about not micromanaging, right? I mean, empower your people. I've got a, a mentor of mine that uh, has just taught me so much over the years. And one thing he does a fantastic job of is, you know, putting himself in a position to work on the business, not in it. And it's because he empowers his people. And, you know, probably one of the biggest things I've learned from him is just make sure your people know, hey, it's okay to make mistakes. Mistakes are going to happen, especially as we're growing, you know, as we're leveling up, we're going to make mistakes. I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is if the same mistakes start repeating themselves. So as we make mistakes, we need to learn from them. We need to build systems and processes around how to make sure we're not making these mistakes going forward. And once, once your people kind of understand that, like, hey, I'm not going to get yelled at. I'm not going to get in trouble. Uh, you know, if I make a mistake because I'm just, you know, trying something new to, to help the business grow, right? And I think the other thing I've really picked up from him is if an employee comes to him and says, hey this is the situation, what should I do? His typical response is, what would you do? Right. 
And then they tell him, he says, great, go do that. And then let's see how it works out. And if it doesn't work out, okay. It's a mistake that, that they can learn from and, and keep going. So, and, yeah. And, and learn from and modify the process and the systems to, to prevent that. Exactly. You know, the, the, uh, the Toyota lean manufacturing uh, uh, philosophy of, of five whys. Anytime mm. something goes wrong, you ask why five times. And, you know, I think last time we talked, we talked about a dude who was a millionaire uh, and who was installing closets. Yeah. And, and uh, it's like, you know, I'm sure I'm sure a million things go wrong all the time. It's like, OK, well, why did this closet system not fit? Well, uh, and, and let's ask why five times. Well, yeah. it's because we got the measurements wrong. Well, why did we get the measurements wrong? Well, because we didn't really have a, a routine on how to measure the space. And the person didn't know what the hell they were doing when they measured it. Well, why do they know what they're doing? Well, because we figured we assumed that they knew how to read a tip measure, but they don't. Right. Okay, well, we need to have this test. Uh, that understands like, okay, this is how you read a tape measure and they have to pass that before they can go out and do estimates. Right. That's just like a, you know, I am like, that's just like a hypothetical scenario of what could happen. Yeah. And like, and so, and so if you're constantly like measuring and like figuring out, okay, what's going wrong and asking why five times you can then modify and adapt and iterate on your system because, because it's never done. You're always trying to make it better and better and better and tighter. So, so the customer gets a better experience and you're, and you're kicking yeah. your competition butt. Exactly. And, and I love that, you know, drilling down deeper by asking those those five whys, right? Because that's going to get you, you know, usually to the root of the issue. And in the process, you're, you're establishing those systems so that going forward, you're just constantly getting better. And you said this earlier, I mean, over time, it just it compounds. And so, you know, eventually, you get it dialed in, you know, your systems, your processes are tight. And, you know, most of your competition is not going to be doing that, especially in you know, the type of business that you had, the, the type of franchise businesses that, that, you know, we're involved in these service businesses. I love them because, you know, the bar is not very high in terms of client expectations because right. most companies can't figure out how to answer the phone, how to call anyone back, how to show up on time. They don't get projects done within the timeline. They said they would. I mean, the bar is just low. So, you know, you put some good systems and processes in place and you keep dialing them in over time you can really shine. Um, if, you, I, if you think this way with your small business, you will, you will kick your competition's butt. 100%. And, and there's probably like a five-year window of opportunity for that. Because, okay. you know, I think, this is just my belief, I believe like in 10 years, every business will be a tech business. We'll have to be. Yeah, uh, yeah, every yeah, business sure. will have smooth technology. Every business will have frictionless technology for their customer in some shape or form. And if you don't adopt these things now and, and look, look for ways to build systems in your business and leverage technology to do it, you're going to be behind the curve. That's a good point. It doesn't really matter what the end product or service is in this day and age and going forward, technology is going to have to play, you know, a big role in your business. Even if the, the service you're selling is maybe not technology itself, you right. better be figuring out how to leverage technology to ultimately create a better experience for your clients and, you know, also to streamline things for, for yourself and, and your team. Right. Um, technology and systems go hand in hand. Yes. We're talking systems. We're talking about creating the workflows and the processing yep. routines, but also looking for technology to make, make that stuff happen smoother. Uh, makes, makes systemizing your business so much more easier and approachable today than it was 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, no doubt about it. Wes here. You may have noticed there's a franchising theme to this podcast, and that's because franchising's had a massive impact on my life, and it's the very reason I'm walking my own path to freedom. In fact, one of my companies is a franchise consulting company where I work with people to help them understand franchising and determine if it might be a good fit for them. And if it is something they want to explore, then I help them navigate the entire investigative process and ultimately find a franchise business that's a great match for them. You know, the fact of the matter is there are thousands and thousands of franchise businesses out there today. And like anything, there are good ones and there are bad ones. Even out of the many, many great franchise companies, not every one of them would necessarily be a good fit for you. You know, buying a franchise is a huge decision and you don't want to wing it. I've helped many people buy franchise businesses over the years and my wife and I have bought and own franchises today and we plan to keep investing in franchise businesses. I love helping people understand this process and help them find a business that's going to be a great fit for them and help them accomplish their goals and ultimately create that freedom in their life that we're all looking for. The best part of all of this is that my services are free to the people I work with, 
And while I do love to contribute to charities and other great causes, I'm not a nonprofit. I'm compensated by the franchise companies I work with when I introduce them to someone that ends up becoming one of their franchisees. It's very similar to real estate, but with franchises. I have the privilege of working with hundreds and hundreds of the best franchise companies out there across practically every industry. So I can be absolutely confident that when I recommend someone to look at a franchise company, I'm introducing them to a very credible and proven company with a solid business model and great support. So if you think you might be interested in learning more about franchising and seeing if it might be right for you, I'd love to speak with you. Get in touch with me by email at wes at path2freedom.com, path, the number two, frdm.com. And also check out my website at pathtofreedom.com, spelled the same way, where I've got a ton of resources, both franchise and non-franchise related, that will help you start down your own path to freedom. And of course, subscribe to and follow the podcast for more great advice about business ownership. And if you know anyone else that might be interested in speaking with me, please share this podcast with them. Thanks for listening to my shameless plug. Now let's drop back into the episode. And I want to get into more of technology because you you kind of made a shift and and that's really what your your new company is centered around before we go there though how how did you come about you know exiting from from your lawn care business did you just get to the point where you said hey you know i've kind of built what i want to build here and i'm ready to go focus on some other things were you proactively looking to sell or uh did the opportunity to sell find you yeah so for me, like my business is the thing in my life that's constantly causing me to move forward. It's the mm-hmm. thing that's causing me to level up. It's the thing that's lending new challenges to my life and making it interesting. And uh, I had run that business for 15 years. I, I, I didn't really conquer the industry, but I had grown it to like one of the larger companies in the, in the market. And, no doubt. And, and I had like, you know, I had kind of gotten it as far as I wanted to take it. And I started to realize about myself that, that I was kind of on cruise control mm-hmm. and that, and that uh, while it was never like a real easy business to run, I had kind of gotten it to where it ran pretty smooth. Yep. And, and I thought, okay, it's time for the next challenge. It's time for the next mountain to climb. What is that going to be? And so I, I made the idea, I came up with the idea, okay, I'm going to sell this company. And uh, from the day I came up with that idea to the day I got it sold was over two years. And so it took okay. a long yeah. time to get the business groomed for, for acquisition and then, and then conduct the outreach to, to players in the space to, to go through the process. It wasn't something that like opportunistically just landed in my lap. Although that does happen to, to some business owners yeah. if they're, in, you know, if they're doing the right things in the right place, at the right time, but it, didn't, yep. it wasn't the case for me. Uh, so, so grooming the business, getting it ready to be acquired took a long time and it was a painful process, you know, emotional process because a lot of my identity was wrapped up in this business, but got it done. And, and uh, glad I did because it enabled me to kind of take some time off and figure out what I wanted to do with the second act of, of my entrepreneurial journey. And, uh, you know, that, that was green pal. And, and so I set out to, to start a, 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 an app to make the whole industry run smoother, uh, that I just spent 15 years in. And I'm glad I did because I'm not the same person today that I was eight years ago when I started this company. No doubt. I think life is, you know, full of chapters, right. And, and I talk to a lot of, you know, successful entrepreneurs and I think that's pretty common, uh, with successful entrepreneurs is where they get to a certain point And once their business is no longer challenging them the way that it did, uh, before a lot of times that's when they know, you know, it's time to, to go try something else because, you know, successful driven people, they, they love a challenge. And, you know, when it starts feeling, you know, not, not necessarily easy, but like you said, your own cruise control. Um, so I, I think that's a, you know, good, good reason to say, Hey, you know, I've, I've done really well here. I want to go try to do really well, you know, in a different business, different, uh, type of industry. So, um, so you, so you ended up having a good exit from, uh, it was called Peachtree Inc., right? Your Correct. landscaping company? Correct. So, and then you said you took some time off to kind of, you know, think about what you wanted to do next. So, and, and I think you said earlier, you started GreenPal about eight years ago. Is that, is that right? Yes, that's correct. So got the business sold. Uh, took some time off. I basically retired at that point. I didn't have to work anymore. And I, mm-hmm. and I took all the proceeds get down and into and really non-sexy illiquid assets because I knew I never wanted to pick up a weed eater ever again. <laughs> I, I had been through that. I didn't want to go backwards. And so yeah, I yeah. locked everything down and it's like, okay, now I don't have to work. 
uh, what am I going to do? And so, and so I started to realize about myself that like my business was the thing that lended uh, purpose to my life mm-hmm. and, and the thing that made my life interesting. And, and I didn't have that for a time uh, being like six months. I was like, wow, something is missing. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. So it, was, it was like, okay, well it's time to get back in the game. It's time to get back in the, in the arena. And uh, the idea for green pal was one that I had for a long time. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go for it. And luckily I didn't know what I didn't know. And I was naive because I, <laughs> I didn't realize how difficult it was going to be. Sure. Uh, I recruited, recruited two co-founders and we just put our heads down and started working on, on getting this thing going. And uh, it took, it took like th- almost four years to get the business humming, to get, to get, to get where we had traction, to get to where we had a good amount of revenue. Uh, and it was, like I said, uh, my naivete is what, what seduced me into the, into the tech world. Hey, I've heard a lot of entrepreneurs say the same. They're like, if I knew what I know now, I, I would have never even started. It, it would have been too intimidating. <laughs> so I, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. So earlier you, you compared GreenPal or, or you explained it as the Uber of lawn care. And so if you kind of hatched this idea roughly eight years ago, I'm trying to remember, you know, when Uber, you know, really came onto the map, but I feel like this was probably, I mean, definitely before Uber was what it is today and as mainstream as it is. So was, was this just kind of an original idea or were you kind of modeling off of similar things that you were seeing out there like Uber? I was I was keying off of of other other examples of companies that you could do something with an interface and something real would happen in in the real world. Okay. And so Uber was just getting going. They were only like in two or three markets in 2013. Yeah. And Airbnb was just getting going. Um, mm-hmm. And Lyft had been around for a little bit. And so I kind of saw. You know, I, I wasn't like way ahead of the curve in terms of like seeing the future, but I saw what mobile was doing, and mm-hmm. I and I saw I saw how technology was getting easier and easier to 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 get started, and so and so that kind of lended evidence to me that okay, if 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 you can push a button and get a get a cab in San Francisco, you should be able to push a button and and, and get a good lawn mowing service. And the other thing I saw that I just knew it would work was, you know, running 15 years in the, in the, in the industry, my business had grown to a point where we no longer did residential work. Uh, okay. We did all big commercial contracts, um, but we would still get like 20 or 30, sometimes as many as a hundred phone calls a day people wow. wanting us to come cut their lawn wow. because they couldn't get anybody to call them back. Yeah. And the problem is when you're calling for a lawn care service, they're, they're busy. They're on a mower. Like they don't have a reception. Sure. They don't have yeah. a secretary. Exactly. So I knew an app needed to be needed to exist to enable these service providers to quickly quote it uh, without having to drive out there and to not have to have somebody pick up the phone. And that would enable a homeowner to get the best fit for them, you know, in, in, in minutes rather than hours or days. And so like the idea then, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago is really no different than the problems okay. and idea that we're dealing with today. It's just, we're doing it better and better and better and, and it's, and, and making it bigger and, and putting it in the hands of more people. Yeah. No, I was actually going to ask, you know, if the, if the original vision has changed over the last, you know, seven, eight years, you know, with things like Thumbtack and some of these others coming out where you can kind of go online and request all types of different services. But I mean, I, I agree, you know, the way you said it, if you can push a button to get a, to get a cab or to get a ride, why not for, you know, someone to come mow your yard. So tell, tell us a little bit more about like how the service would actually work from, a consumer standpoint and then I'd like to kind of have you explain it from a uh, you know I guess a, a service provider standpoint a, a lawn care company standpoint um, if someone needs to have their yard mode they they go on and they're essentially kind of putting the request out there and then they're going to receive multiple bids is that that's right okay so you know rather than calling around like like Thumbtack, Yelp, Angie's List, Home Advisor these are all really good directories, really good kind of static repositories of information. But as a mm-hmm. homeowner, you still have to like poll these people. You yeah. still have to like figure out, okay, what are your, what is your pricing? What is your availability? Uh, what, are you any good or not? And try to figure yeah. this stuff out. Uh, so a homeowner can just download the app, they pop their address in, and in a couple of minutes they get up to five quotes back from lawn mowing services in their zip code. They can then read reviews, uh, see, okay, here, this guy's got uh, four and a half stars. He shows up 
78% of the time. Uh, his clients okay. book him off for a second mowing 49% of the time. Uh, he has nine other customers in 37208. And cool. so like you can read all of this rich data around, uh, okay, this is, this is who I want to work with or, or not. And then you can make the best informed decision because like lawn mowing is, is not really a commodity. You know, if, if you live in, uh, if, if you live in like, I don't know, like, like Brentwood, uh, uh, California outside of Los Angeles, you probably want like a private gardener to like come and spend four or five hours on your property. But if you just have like an investment home on the other side of Los Angeles, uh, you just really want it like knocked down every two sure. weeks. And yeah. so like we help like offer the liquidity to where you can get you as a homeowner, you can hire the best fit and know they're going to show up and, and, and be able to pay them without having to exchange cash or like mail them a check or Venmo them or anything like that. It happens invisibly. And then, yeah, so that's nice. That's, it's a nice convenience for homeowners. It's, you know, whenever you're inventing a, a new product, you kind of have to be like 10 times better than the, than the status quo. And we've really worked hard to, to, to make that gap between the status quo and the green pal experience on the service provider side. That's really why we do what we do. That's really where we go deep. We, we try to offer an opportunity for anybody that wants to work hard in the lawn mowing business to plug into our platform and to make material income. Uh, we have, hundreds and hundreds of stories of vendors coming onto the platform. They might've been mowing one or two yards trying to figure out how they're going to get their business going. And now they're like taking home six figures a year, mowing wow. 75, 80, hundred customers all through green pals. Like that's, awesome. that's why we do what we do. We, we handle everything for them from getting new clients to getting scheduled to marketing automation, to getting paid within 24 hours. Like there's no accounts receivable on green pal. Yeah. And it's so, huge handling all of that mess for them to where yeah. they can just focus on one thing. I'm just, just need to do a good job and show up on time and, and offering them kind of like a business in a box an opportunity to like just yeah. plug into the platform and, and run their business and make material income. It's brilliant, man. I, I love it. I mean, I can definitely see how as a homeowner uh, it would be convenient. I can see from, you know, the, the business owner standpoint, why it makes sense. I mean, I think marketing is probably one of the biggest struggles for, for most lawn care, landscaping owners, uh, you know, how to really get out there. And so it's probably for most of these guys week to week, right? Hey, I got my schedule pretty full this week. They're not even thinking about next week until they get to like Thursday or Friday. And then they're like, oh, we got to fill up the, the schedule for next week. So this is really, you know, bringing clients to them or at least putting them in front of prospective clients in a way that likely they would never, never be able to on their own. So, so how does the, the business model work? Is, it, is there a fee that these uh, companies pay to be on the service? Or are they just giving you, is it like a revenue share or a combination of both? Yeah, so every service provider pays a small piece of the transaction, depending on how much volume they're doing through the platform. And then there are premium tools that they can purchase if they want Got it. Uh, to help run their business smoother. But it's free to sign up and free to use. You only pay for whatever uh, revenue that you get through out of the platform. So it's kind of like a no-brainer. Yeah, uh, yeah. For, and, and, you know, but like the caveat is, like if, if, if you're in the landscaping business and you're running like, two or three crews or five crews, 10 crews, you got 10, 20 employees. Green pal is not a good fit for you. Okay. Uh, if, if you, if you are a bartender, fireman, school yep. teacher, and you want the best way to put a thousand dollars a week in your pocket, boy, do I have an, a platform for you. And, uh, yeah, and so yeah, that's yeah. really where we shine. It's, it's, it's like, the smaller service providers that don't know where to get started, uh, don't have the first clue on how to market, don't, don't really want to learn how to do that stuff, uh, really just want a way to, to get uh, a, a good business going quickly, this is a great, great opportunity for them. And, and also on the flip side for a homeowner, that's the person you want to work with. You want to work with the proprietor. You want to work with the smaller service provider because they're going to do a better job for you than the company that's trying to cobble together 10 people and, and, uh, and doesn't have the systems like we're talking about. And they just started yesterday and guess what? They, they're on your, your yard and they threw a rock and broke your window. Like, yeah. you know, that, that's the problem we saw for the homeowners. No doubt. Uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I just, I think it's brilliant and it is a no brainer. I mean, if, if it's, really your, your costs are variable. You know, if you're getting jobs, then, then you pay. So, I mean, really that's, that's your marketing costs. And anytime you can have variable marketing costs where you're only paying when you've got actual revenue coming in, totally a no brainer. 
Um, right. and, 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 and that's, we've, and we're bootstrapped, right? We're self-funded. So we've had to make it just really crystal clear the value proposition on both sides of the transaction. It's like, you don't pay anything until you make money. Whereas like on Thumbtack, Angie's List, Home Advisor, like you're, you're paying for these leads. And, yeah. Oh yeah. And, and sometimes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes they're, they're guard. It's like, I mean, now, now I'm not like, those are good. Yeah. Those are good services uh, and they have their place, but you're, it's more like a marketing expense and it's, and it it, is. it's, it's more along the lines of like, I'm wasting half of my marketing budget. I just don't know which half. Yeah. Um, and you see, you know, it, it, it's uh, like, those are great alternatives, like use them too. But this sure. is a no, more of a no brainer. It's a win-win. Our, our interests are aligned with the service provider's interests. Well, hundred percent. I mean, so we have, we have an insulation business, uh, full service, any type of insulation work with homeowners, builders, commercial. Um, you know, we do some stuff with home advisor. We, you know, pay for leads through that. You know, it's, you kind of, I mean, we, we kind of knew what to expect going into it, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a cost you pay for the lead regardless of what happens to it. A lot of them never, you know, pick up the phone, never call us back, you know, right not every lead turns into a job in revenue, right? So right. If, if there was an option like that for us in that insulation business where we could get in front of people and we only pay when we have a job and revenue coming in, I'd be all over it. So maybe once you get Green Pal really built out, then maybe segment into uh, insulation and just replicate it. Insula insulation, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like it, right? Um, so – a couple more questions about like from the consumer standpoint. So I, I like the fact that you can, I guess, see ratings on, on these uh, providers based on what they've done for other people. I'm sure that's helpful. Uh, just like, you know, with Uber. Um, what if a homeowner works with a, a lawn care provider that they really love and going forward, they want to continue working with that same person? Is that possible through GreenPow or are you seeing or are you concerned that, you know, people may just kind of take their relationships off the app and it's kind of like a one and done type deal as far as GreenPow is concerned? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that's what our platform exists for. It's it, we, okay. we handle the introduction, we get everything set up. And then after that first one goes, well, as the homeowner, you can just one touch book them out for the season and it just happens. Or if you didn't uh, like the services, you can very quickly try somebody else out and then book them for the season. But everything is built to empower that, that weekly or every two week service. Okay. And so you might say, well, what's, what's stopping these people from just like working it out on the side? Well, it's called platform disintermediation and every marketplace deals with that. And in the early mm -hmm. days, we, 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 handled it just because we knew everybody that was using the damn thing. But right. then as time went on, we were like, okay, we're seeing a little bit of this. And then, you know, we can look at it. Okay. This is happening to us or it's happening for us. And we really took the ladder. We're like, okay, this is happening for us. Let's really dig in and figure out why in the hell somebody would want to do it the old way. And what we came to realize was once we got a, a service provider over something like 20 customers, they were locked in and they didn't want to do, they didn't want to like, go hassle somebody for their money ever again. They didn't want to drive out to somebody's house to give them a quote. They yeah. didn't want to, uh, they, they didn't want to like have to worry about if they were going to get paid or not. And sure. so all of these things, like once we got a vendor over 20 customers, we started to understand that. And so then we really started optimizing towards that. It's like, okay, we have to balance supply and demand on a zip code level and really meaningfully impact these vendors uh, lives and, and, and businesses in order to get that lock in. So that's, that's, how we've we've tackled it um at a practical level and then also at a programmatic level we understand the data and understand that like okay if you're only getting booked like if you come out and mow somebody's yard and you're only getting booked for ongoing mowings uh 12 percent of the time then one or two things is happening you you suck yeah <laughs> uh, or or you don't know you know you're just not doing a good job for them yeah. uh and, or or you're you're trying to like take them offline which doesn't happen often yeah and either, in either case like they're 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 sidelined and so that's that's how we handle it and then on the other the other thing is like the homeowner homeowners that use our platform they, they've been around the block in terms of being ghosted not getting phone calls returned yeah. uh get somebody taking off with their money and it's like once they experience green pout they don't want to do it the old way like yeah. uh, no thanks I'm, i don't want to like 
cash app you every time you come to mow. I just want to set it up and like not, not worry about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would, now that you kind of explain it, it makes more sense. I would imagine it's kind of like Uber. Like you don't have a whole lot of people doing an Uber ride one time with someone and saying like, Hey, can you pick me up every Wednesday morning and take me to the airport and I'll give you 20 bucks. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I'm sure it happens some, but it's not the norm. Yeah, the, 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 exactly. It's like you're not going to take a, a ride to the airport and say, uh, how much is the fare? Seven, seventeen fifty-five. Okay, so for sixteen twenty-five, what if I paid you cash and we just canceled it? Like you're right. just not going to do that. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like, and so so that's that's and, and while like you know Uber's here and you know we're like here, you know we want to get Uber good and sure. so we're just and that's what we're working on is every day making it quicker, smoother, faster, easier, cheaper, more delightful for both sides of the transaction for both sides of it. And so from what I'm hearing from the, the, uh, you know, service provider side, what you're telling me is it all comes back to systems and processes, right? They're benefiting from the, the way that green pal streamlines all of it. It handles the stuff that they don't want to do nor is it the best use of their time, uh, because yes. it's not revenue generating. Exactly. And, and you, and you can be Chuck in a truck or Peter in a pickup and you can come on a green pal and you're, and you're modulated. You, you have a place where your reviews accrue. You have a place where all of the stats yeah. about how often you show up on time accrue. Uh, you have a place where, where people are, are sharing their experiences about how they, how doing business with you, all of this stuff accrues. And if you're, gr- and if you're good, it, it accelerates your business. If you're not good and you're just not, you're not a reliable business owner, then it, then it, then it reinforces the fact that, you're not going to be successful in business. And, and then you ultimately, if, if you don't hit certain thresholds, you get expelled from the GreenPal platform. I was going to ask you that kind of like with Uber, if you're a driver and you get so many, you know, bad reviews, then they'll kind of lock you out uh, from what I've heard. So yeah. 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 And that's our, that's the platform's job because sure. it's the platform's job to, to uh, uh, enable homeowners to, to sidestep that experience to not have to deal with the people who just aren't reliable and deal with the ones who care about their business and care about the success of their business and doing a good job for their clients. Yeah. It's brilliant, man. I I love it. So tell us, you know, where's green pal today and, and what is the vision? You know, where do you want to take this thing? Yeah. So green pal is in every major city in the United States today. You know, we spent three years just in Nashville trying to figure out how to get this thing to work. And then we expanded out from there. Um, over 200,000 people using the app uh, on an ongoing wow. basis to get their grass cut, uh, doing, awesome. like 20, doing over 20 million in revenue. Um, and, wow. and so, so our job today is how do we make it even better, even cheaper, even faster, even smoother, and, and then get it in all the little towns and cities in the United sure. States, like the Bozeman, Montana, or, or uh, Wichita, Kansas, you know, like getting it going in these smaller cities. And then after that, we're going to expand into, into Canada, UK and Australia, but uh, that's, that's coming in the coming years. That's awesome, man. Um, so is there any vision to, you know, I kind of joked about this with insulation earlier, but I mean, is there any vision to, you know, once you kind of really get it dialed in for, for lawn care, you know, take it to other home services? You know, um, I, th- I think to like be uber good, you have to be focused on one thing. Specialized. And so, yeah. And so for us, like, you know, there's horizontal platforms like Thumbtack, Angie's List, Home Advisor, where yeah. you can get anything under the sun, you can get mm-hmm. names and numbers. And then, and then there's vertical experiences. There's like yeah. DoorDash for food, Uber for rides. Uh, and, and, and we're really kind of vertically focused on just this one use case, making this easier and smoother and better. And that's how we've been able to self-fund our way through this thing. And so, when you, when you add all these other options on the front door, like it adds complexity. And like, yeah. when you do that, it's really difficult to, to get people to understand in like five seconds what this thing is and how it can yeah. solve their problem. And so for the foreseeable future, you know, we will be focused on, on one thing and that's yard maintenance and just making that as easy as possible. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Um, you know, Hey, I didn't think of this before we started talking, but you know, a few of the things you said kind of brought it to mind, you know, cause you talked about all the data that you're accumulating. And, and if you're not comfortable answering this, that's perfectly fine. But, you know, is there anything that you're able to do, you know, maybe to add another revenue stream by leveraging in some way, all of this data that you're curating, both from, you know, the, the homeowners as well as the service providers? Yeah. I, and, and every platform, every marketplace that, that is, is trying to make real world experiences smoother and easier, uh, you know, has data that it's accumulating. And, and, and so that is one way that you can further 
uh, add value to your users. It's not right. necessarily, okay, we got all this data. Let's go make some money. Okay. It's, yeah. it's like, we got all this data. How can we add more value to our users? And, mm. and so one way we, we, we leverage data is we publish reports on, okay, this is like the average uh, lawn mowing price per zip code in Texas and, and per awesome. county. And like, so we leverage all that data and we publish these reports and that kind of gets the word out more about GreenPal, gets more traffic to the website and that enables more homeowners to sign up and it enables more vendors to grow their business. So that's like how we leverage our data to, to help people. Um, we, have, we have on the roadmap to leverage our data to enable uh, vendors to have more access to financing and, and things of that sort. Like so okay. some FinTech. So it's like, hey, uh, Joe's Lawn Service, we noticed that you, you, know, you grossed 225K this year on GreenPal. Uh, guess what? You you qualify for zero percent financing for a new Ford F two fifty. Click here to apply, and then everything just like goes right there, and like you get the best financing, the the, the best deal because because all of this data is like it's proven, it's evidence that you're that you're running a good business, and so leveraging the data to to unlock more value for our users is definitely something that we have in the in the years to come. I love it, man. It's fascinating to me, and I'll definitely be following to uh, you know see how how things go. Uh, I haven't even looked yet. You, you may or may not know off the top of your head. Are you available in Wilmington, North Carolina yet? We actually are. Yes. Right so, on. Uh, All that, right. That, uh, you download the app, use it, and let me know how it goes. All right. You got a new customer today, so if <laughs> uh, if no one listens to this podcast, hopefully it was at least worth your time because you picked up uh, one new customer and. Um, so that's cool, man. I, I definitely will. I'll give it a shot. Um, I'm very, very interested uh, to try it out now. So, you know, a couple other things, you know, I want to get your thoughts on because, you know, you're clearly having success with what you're building at GreenPow. You know, you were clearly very successful in, you know, even though, so your, your lawn care business and GreenPow, I mean, it's, it's same kind of industry, but two very different businesses in terms of what you're actually having to execute um, and, and how you're going about it. What are some of the biggest differences that you've seen in building a, you know, service, uh, business like your landscaping business and building a, a technology business. And then on the flip side of that, what are some of the similarities? Yeah. So some of the similarities is, is a relentless focus on the customer. So just a relentless focus on what their needs are, meeting them where they're at and solving their problem. And just making it as clear as possible to do that. And and, and another uh, commonality is making it dead ass simple for them to contact you and talk to you and give you their feedback, like removing all of the friction between your customer and and where you're at. Cause if you don't do that, then you kind of isolate yourself and, and then this like gap de- develops between customer logic and company logic. And once that gap develops, then you, then you don't really understand what your customer wants. You don't understand what they're willing to pay for. You don't understand how to outserve your competitors. And so like closing that gap by making it really easy for anybody that does business with you to let you know where you suck can help you like understand where you need to take your business. It doesn't matter what business you're in. If yeah. you're in the pizza business or the closet, uh, uh, repair business. It, it doesn't matter. Sure. So that's, those are some, some fundamentals. Um, the, some differences are uh, a tech business is very different because in most cases in the tech world, you are inventing something brand new that does not yet exist. And so right. in some shape or form, yeah, there might be similarities, but if you're going to start a tech company and in, mo- in most cases you're inventing something brand new. And so, and so when you're doing that, you're setting off on this journey of what they call like customer development, which is really just kind of like forging your way through the darkness to figure out what is something that people need? What is something that people will, are willing to pay for? And how do I like offer a solution that's 10 times better than anything else? Yeah. And that's a lot different than saying, okay, I see like, I want to build up, I want to start like a, like a home remodeling service. And I think I can just do a better job than my competitors. Like they're, they're, they're very different. And yeah. so, and so, uh, you know, like I, one thing I didn't understand when I first got started, I, I, I under indexed on that. And so like, you need to like give yourself an extra two or three years to figure it out if that's the route you're going down. Yeah. That's, it's interesting. Cause I've, you know, read about, you know, what are now huge tech companies getting started. I mean, Twitter, you know, the, the original idea for Twitter is not really anything that close to what Twitter is today. And, you know, they had to really listen to, all right, what do people want? Because right. their, their original idea of what people would want and enjoy 
they, they didn't get as good a feedback on it. So I think your point of, and, and this is the same, I think in any business, as you said, but you know, the feedback in terms of, you know, what are you actually looking for and, and what experience is going to be best for you? And then being willing to act on that feedback and, and then put out a platform that, you know, your users are really going to get, get value from. So um, to me, that makes sense. Not that I'm an expert in starting tech companies, but you know, some of the stuff I've read, uh, that kind of seems to be pretty common is that the, the end result is actually in a lot of cases kind of different from what the original idea was. Yeah, exactly. And, and they, you know, they kind of iterate their way to figuring out something that people want to use on, yeah. on, a, on a wide scale and technology enables you to do that. Mm-hmm. Now that's not to say you don't have to do that in your traditional business. Let's say you want to start a remodeling business or, or you, or let's just use the installation business. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if you're working for contractors and, you know, constantly talking to them, what are the five things that piss you off about installation guys? Or maybe all your contractors. It's like, well, they don't show up on the day they're supposed to. Well, you're like, well, that's how we're going to attack this. We're going to have a guarantee no matter what we'll be there on the day we say. That's just an example to like really go through customer discovery and understand, okay, what are the pain points? What, what can I do to separate me from my competitors and just do that better than anybody else? So that also applies to almost any business, but particularly in the tech world, it's like, it's everything like, like it's, 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 it's the only thing that's going to separate you from a huge success or just a total failure. Yeah. No, so, so true, man. Golden, golden advice right there. Um, look, I know you've got something else coming up, so we'll kind of wind this down here, here real quickly. Uh, where can people learn more about GreenPal? I know you said download the app. Where, where can people find the app and download it? And, and how would either a, a landscaping, lawn care business owner or a homeowner uh, go about getting set up? Yeah. So yeah, anybody listening to this can just download GreenPal in the app store or play store and you'll get hooked up with a good lawn mowing service in less than a minute. If you're a service provider or you have an, you want to start a lawn mowing business, you can just go to yourgreenpal.com, scroll to the bottom, click apply as a vendor and you'll get set up in, in less than 10 minutes. Awesome. We'll, we'll link that in the show notes to make it easy for people. Uh, before I let you go, Brian, I do a very quick lightning round at the end of all of my interviews. It's uh, the same four questions that I ask every guest that comes on the podcast. Uh, so if you're good with it, we can run through those real quick. Um, and then we'll put okay. a bow on this thing. Awesome. Cool, man. First question is simply, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? And that could be business advice or just general life advice. Uh, think small, but be ambitious. So I like it really just focusing on what are the two or three things I can do this week today in my little circle of influence to, 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 to unstuck my business and, and just constantly rinse and repeat on that focus on a couple things at a time. Like I mentioned earlier, get through the level on the video game you're at, but also have this big ambition. Cause if you don't, then you can, you can waste two or three years stuck on one level. Yeah. I love that, man. It's great. Um, I'm curious, do you have any sort of a morning routine, anything that you try to do every morning to prime yourself for a successful day? Yes. You know, uh, starting green pal, uh, there was like a four year period there where like it was just seven days a week eating junk food, working 13, 14 hours a day. Uh, and, and I started to realize, wow, I'm not effective. I feel like crap. I'm, I'm actually doing, uh, irrelevant work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, and so I kind of had like reset all of that. And one thing I learned was like, if you can get up in the morning and you're on two feet and you're mobile and you can walk and see, uh, then it's your duty to like do some sort of physical exercise and it, either for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. So it's like, it's my, it's my promise to myself every single morning, do some sort of 60 minutes of, of, of a hit workout or yoga. I try to get up, you know, get up an hour early from what anything else you got planned. Yeah. And it's your duty to do that every day, take care of your body because everything flows downstream from there. Yeah. I love it. I love thinking about it that way. It's your duty. If you have the health to be able to do it, cause so many people don't, then right. don't waste it. Right. right. Um, and it gives, it, you know, for me, when I work out in the mornings, it gives me more energy throughout the day. Yeah. Now don't make me, don't get me wrong. I hate doing it, but I'm glad when it's done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's always one of the things where you're like dreading it. I've even gotten to the point where like when I finish my workout in the morning, I sit there and I'm like, remember how good this feels. Remember yes. how good this feels so that yes. when the alarm goes off at 5 a.m. tomorrow Gotta go. and I don't want to get up. I'm like, no, remember how good it felt when you're, when you're done. So it yes, works exactly. most days. Um, 
Cool. So I don't know if you're a reader or not. We, you know, we already talked about the e-myth, but uh, if you're a reader, I'm curious what book you're reading right now. I'm reading a book uh, by an author named Donald Miller. Uh, okay. It's called uh, Story Brand Marketing. And uh, this guy's written all kinds of books and like okay. both just like personal development books and marketing books. Uh, and they're really short books. They're not hard to read. He's a great writer. And like the, the, the point of the book is, is just real clarity. Like the human brain is wired to avoid complexity. And, uh, and so like for your insulation business, like, like only thing they need to know is like, like what's the one thing you do better than your competitors and like everything else almost doesn't matter. And like yeah. really getting, getting clear with how you communicate with your customers. And, and it's a lot harder than you think. And this book kind of goes through that. Uh, what's the so author's name know. again? Donald Miller. Donald Miller. I'll check yeah. that out. I mean, I, everything I think he's written is good. Okay. Awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, in this day and age, there's just so much noise out there. There's so many, you know, companies and people trying to grab your attention. You know, if you're a business, you need to, to be clear and, and not give them a, a potential client too much to have to try to, to process through. So uh, I'll definitely check that one out. All right. Final question. What is your definition of freedom and are you living it? I love the fact that your podcast is called Path to Freedom because I think, I think a business is the vehicle to improve your station in life. It is the vehicle that anybody can access to, to uh, make something of themselves. It is the path to freedom so long yeah. as you're ambitious enough to, to put in the time, make the sacrifices, and play the long game, yeah. 5, 10, 20-year long game. A business can be your path to freedom. For me, success is just doing what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, whatever that is. And so for me, I've been on, I've been on green pal for eight years. I haven't worked a day in eight years. This is the business I want Love to it. work on. And that's, that for me is freedom. And, and without business, I wouldn't be here today. Yeah. I love it, man. Well, look, I really appreciate all the time. I've learned a lot just from talking to you. So I'll be following Green Pal. Uh, you guys look like you're on a great trajectory. So can't wait to see you keep doing big things. Thanks for everything you do, man. And appreciate you dropping in on the Path to Freedom podcast. Thanks, Wes. You have a good one. Thanks, Brian. Take care. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.